Listening to Shelf Talking, the official podcast of Literati Bookstore in downtown Ann Arbor. I'm Sam Krachenko. On this month's episode, we're celebrating National Poetry Month at a moment when a little poetry could do us all some much needed good. First up, John McCarthy. Centered on Midwestern boys struggling with toxic masculinity, the poems in McCarthy's Scared Violent Like Horses deftly mix the brutal with the beautiful. McCarthy Rave's book list has whittled out a sense of freedom from the heartache of the past, and the reader is left with a remarkable vision. McCarthy shared that vision at Literati this past February. I'll begin with the, uh, one of the opening poems in the book. It begins with an ep- uh, epigraph by the late Bridget Pajean Kelly. The low song a lost boy sings, remembering his mother's call. I was a lost boy with a quiet ache. So quiet it was like listening to a spider weave a web around a cotton ball in early autumn. The temperature dropped. The trees breathed, please, with their long breaths. My throat grew raw and thick in the scratched open light of morning when I woke nervous and cold. I found my naked feet bare and the bed covers fallen from the bed with the fan left on. My mother was still gone like good sleep. I've never had a conversation with my mother about our lost days or anything other than how I'm cold. She can't have a conversation because her geography is mapped the landscape of broken light bulbs and brown leaves and dirty snow that is so dirty it looks like the variegated feathers of a lost boy with lost wings. And that boy remembers his mother singing, Hallelujah. In church, and I remember being at church the whole time, wanting to be in the trees, hiding and feeling the trees breathing, please, against my cold skin, please. All the while, my father sits in a checkered lawn chair, even when it's cold outside, with a small radio listening to baseball scores, recount the losses of men who have lost their whole lives swinging at a ball. That ball is sometimes a bird that a boy reaches for as the bird edges the sky. My father rubs his hands on his knees and yells, and I'm yelling in the trees about missing everything that I have lost. A song I once heard at church that goes, Lady, help the absent loved ones, how we miss their presence here. May the hand of thy protection guide and guard them far and near. I don't know how it goes anymore. The air is plain like the color of my forearm, and I'm sitting in a children's swimming pool that is deflated to a swarming puddle of mosquitoes. It is scum-thick, and I'm trying to sing, Help the Absent. But I'm a lost boy who can't remember that lost song, that can't remember how to sing his hallelujah. So I sit scratching the red bites on my legs until they bleed. I'll read the title poem next. Scared Violent Like Horses. I was too young to call him a friend, but I had a classmate once who snuck up behind a horse and now his body is made of a long time ago. He is the quiet space in my memory where he never sat next to me again. Back then, everyone I ever called a friend held fire in their fists when they talked to me. Their fists were dingy, grime-covered, and grease-slick, as if they were made of horsehair. 
as if they were untamed and lonely, galloping and windswollen. We didn't know how to talk about loss, so we made each other lose. We went to fields to see who could take the most damage. We went to fields that smelled like the boy who became an empty space on a Tuesday morning a long time ago. Now, because I am scared of time and how it moves, I look down at my fist that didn't always want to, but have hit so many friends that the broken knuckles look like bruised magnolias. Listen to me, please. When I knock or bang on the table or door and beg for attention, please. I don't know how to ask for forgiveness. I don't know how to let anything go. I don't know how to say anything else about the boy who had a buzz cut and a flat head, the boy who was kicked in the face by a horse and died looking up at the sky. The boy's father must have found his son with a crushed face and while running back to the house with his own son in his arms, must have said something raging and spiteful to God. This memory is my starting point when I think backward and apologize for all of our fists coiled tight as key rings. How could we not break the mirror we look at in the morning? How could we not swing at the different versions of our faces staring back between the fissures? The hurt and mangled parts of us loved the blood-dried brown on our skew-balled knuckles, and we had nightmares of being reined in. We needed someone to help us change. We needed someone to force us into confronting the uselessness of our violence. But no one came, and our fists swelled unbridled and restless, wild and afraid. On a lighter note. Noise falling backward. I've been told not to come here, to this tool shed of memory, where everything is as old as it is useless. Inside, a scoop of millet seed balances on a mulch sack. There are garbage bags full of crushed natural light cans, exhaling, trespassing. I feel like everything is a discovery, the open slat window, the salt licks meant for nesting in the laps of tree stumps, the way the dust meanders through the light like a premonition. Outside, mare's tails clouds run wild and smear the sky orange at the end of a long day, and a hummingbird feeder hangs from the mulberry. No one has come for me yet. Silence is just noise falling backward from the future. And I don't know what to do with it. I haven't lived through it yet. It's like wiping my eyes in the rain. I can't see clearly. I can't get a grip on anything. Alone here, I linger and thumb the empty hole of a shotgun shell. There are more long days ahead. For now, everything is quiet and mutable. I wish the present could stay like this, in its place and hidden. This poem is, uh, is for the only children in the audience, if I can find it. Okay. Portrait of the only child with tire swing. The cornfields' tassels are wicks burning toward the sky, and the fields are sutured by utility poles, marching like a procession of crosses. On one side of the field, I-55 stretches out, and semi-trucks vibrate with that low drone of traveling forever, flashing their lights at one another. Hello, I'm here, goodbye, and they continue on alone. On the other side of the field, the only child hums a song of loneliness and mourning, but he doesn't know that yet. He thinks only of how the song sounds nice and matches the corn swain as he sits on the edge of his tire swing, gripping the twisted triangle of rusted chain that twirls and pinches his fingers, his legs dangling through the center of the tire. 
The only child imagines this center to be the mouth of a very large slide or a cave whose darkness is the entrance to some foreign and exotic place where flowers without names unfurl towards him like handshakes. But he is afraid to enter such dark tunnels alone. Everything is unknown, and his humming grows louder as he spins faster and mistakes his dizziness for permanence. And there is no one around him to tell him how still and quiet the fields of Illinois really are. The semi-trucks speed through, and their echoing whirs can be counted on like heartbeats. When the only child falls off the swing and everything above him spins, he believes every organ inside his body is a heart. All he does is throb. Until I learn that please is the color of a bruise. Made from his hands, Chris aims a gun at me. You're dead, he says, but I don't like being the dead one so I take off running. The chasing lasts a long time. We snag our sleeves in the tops of chain-link cyclone fences until the chasing becomes a way to see how far we can explore. Climb and run, climb and run, the unbraiding of back alleys and empty lots until we end up on an acreage of private property with our own privacy and no one else around. Chris corners me under an old lean-to where a sun-damaged cigarette boat is living out the rest of its existence on top of an old hitch trailer. Here. Chris forces me to play punch for punch until I beg, please, stop. Until I learn that please is the color of a bruise, skin-swollen and purple, on the side of my throbbing arm. Everything is swollen when it starts raining. We roll our pant legs up and walk home through the wet grass. My soaked shoes, as I walk, are like a feeling knotting up inside my stomach that I can't explain. This is how you stay friends when you're poor, Chris says. Our whole summer was like this. When we couldn't see that far into the future, every day was the same. It was nice, the way we could handle a little bit of pain and return to it again day after day. So... This next one is called On Fighting. Honest to God, it felt like someone dropped lit matches inside my skull, turned my head into a tinderbox, a raw thing. I had been hurt the way a child can only be hurt by his mother, and those motherless days were made of boys that turned my brain into blue sparks when they'd connect their fists to my chin. From a distance, we might have appeared as startling as a knife abruptly flipped open. Most of the time, on uneven ground, we'd throw hooks and haymakers and backpedal scared. I never got knocked out. No, not once. But honest to God, my vision got so small and narrow sometimes, I thought I was going to shut off. Afterward, we'd help each other up, dust each other off, my friends and I, and talk about what it felt like to shake someone's hand after they had spent a great deal of time trying to hurt us. I have a lot of different names for what to call that feeling. Sometimes mercy. Sometimes all of this is necessary. Sometimes one day we'll be, we all will be loved, but not yet. Truth is, I was never that skilled at slipping punches or finding angles or pivoting out of the way. I just didn't want to be alone. It was fun to stand there flat-footed and let God answer in that hard way he likes to touch a body. So I'll end with this last poem, which I wrote it, and it was inspired one, inspired by two events, one of which just involved driving, because you do a lot of that when you live in the Midwest, and the other was I was living in Springfield, and I lived around the corner from, from Tracy, 
and I went running one morning, and I ran into Tracy and her mother, and there was a turtle crossing the road. And I picked the turtle up to bring it back down to the pond because I didn't want the turtle to get ran over. But do you know what happens when you pick turtles up? They pee on you. Um, it's a defense mechanism against predators, I suppose. Um, so I picked this turtle up in front of Tracy and her mother, and I got peed on while running. And I ran home. I finished my run covered in turtle pee. And so I suppose some of that is in this poem. I've read your book, and I don't remember turtle pee. It's a tangential story. So I will end with this piece, which is may or may not be about a turtle peeing on me. And other acts of mercy. When has it not been raining? When will the smooth furrow of gravel and silt be given calm so that it can fondly recall the flooded creek that quenched its thirst? On one of those frequent nights when I couldn't see clearly, when the rain was looking down into the ringing basin of my life and the odd sounds it has made, I noticed a thing moving in the middle of the road, only after the car cut up the trees with its headlights, but getting the feeling something great was following me or someone was leaving me for good, was the turtle spared. Cloud-soaked and chilled, I lifted the turtle up to the trees, twisting their arthritic fingers of moss and bark. I'm sure there were faces in those trees, too, storm-molded faces and faces begging for eyes and ears so they could see and hear as I raised the turtle above my head to speak to him as he withdrew into his shell, and how many times have I shown thanks by hiding and withdrawing into a hard and freakish shape? I laid the turtle down on the embankment and watched him slide down into the ditch's safety where the collecting water would wash the road from his belly and where, like me, however slow, he could begin again looking for something so perfect it never ends. says in my dreams like waves like the sea John McCarthy Scared Violent Like Horses is published by Milkweed Editions The Tracy you just heard John address is poet Tracy Zeman Winner of the New Measure Poetry Prize, Zeman's full-length debut, Empire, offers stirring meditations on losses both ecological and human. Let's begin with her long poem, Grass for Bone. Small cakes of lily seed, an assembly of swallows branch-bound, assembly of clouds burst, your face washed in pigment, no sati under pitch, under night and timber heat, skin burnt to blister, living into atrophy or enclave. The mouth of a horse tells the beginnings of the age of grass, of red spearfish shale and black hills, a reconstructing reckless, this getting and becoming lost, you the figure of crouched skeleton under gaze, how bounded the boundless, new area of contestation. Red crowned field sparrow trills in minor key in minor places, Cut forests, now shrubland of fences and abandoned pastures. Sieve of red bud leaves sewn together like a length of rope. Engineer a noose. Pink build, new world, 
song plaintive and unceasing during the search for another noise herded into rows and hoof prints, where old railway decays into foxglove, stream carves into gully, into dusk, into bodies boiled in lye, then scraped clean, turning bones into rusted machinery, a stand of pale orchids no longer. A tomb constructed of bark, this remainder covered with branches, with lichen and rock, painted yellow and decorated with feathers, contains three figures of straw and one man, arms tied with a thin sheet of wood, a still creek flat and frozen, corpse placed with head sunward, the direction of origin of ancestor, miles and miles and miles, life that we call yours on a good day. On a good day, this love for you, a house of wooden fingers, house wren in a tree hollow, tree hollow occupied with bone and straw. Two rivers ticking softly into one, leaf cutter chronicle, a fern frond left in the bath of sedges and blackbirds, our machine in the garden over and over, slash of green, sweep of gray, thought beneath so slight a field of white-lipped peccaries under the pihas ascending whistles and screams, the chronicler, the echo maker, we must not worry how few we are and fall from each other. A boat-like shape in the dark of the Milky Way, a way of knowing, brings the world forth as not. Trade horse for tea and tea for horse. This cobblestoned knowing brings us into being. We must worry, we must, a clutch of red and cream white eggs, silly goose, mud caked and barefoot, among dry sticks, trash and moss, an occasional sentinel, how to occupy this desert world, our little camp, our little home inside where a lamp burns, uncertainly yellow, then white, then wild plum or peach leaf willow and smart weed. We feed our horses with cottonwood upon this spotted plain, an open grove, a glitter of flint. Arabian ostrich, a titlin grebe, black-faced honey creeper, endemic and no more. Our trail canopied in wild grape and sunflowers. Did I say counterfeit or crabapple, coneflower or copy? Prairie after heavy rain will soak a man on horseback up to his waist. Water clinging to blue stem, grass clinging to wind and sun. An ache in the bone, a litany in negative. We stand at the river's edge to watch the fish swallow what's left of you. This kino, a bathing place for the after and the rest also. Red buffalo pushes the hardwood east, trees and wheat and dust, an ache in the rind. After a summer storm, we are without the way, defined by absence, by presence of great feats, a morass this place of ours, fire-licked grasses and rushes define the tree line we share with the rest. Carrion, cardinal, compass flower, bringing a way of being with, not against, into rivers, oceans empty, into oceans, rivers splinter, a continuum that sparks this consolation of so and form, of joint and oxbow. You empty into this and splinter into that. To wander in restless want and penury, to wear a necklace of green herbs, to keen over the corpse embalmed with honey and washed in water of chamomile, of blackened faces for 30 days, of water poured on the roots of the nearest tree, of feasting and footbridge, of being sewn in a mat of threadbare linen, day at its most long, its most blue, sky knit with clouds, 
mountains crowded with long-needled pines lying flat and still. On a good day, this love stopped with cloth and cardamom. A plumed chimney reduces the muscles to ash, a fern in a summer fire. A wire cage of fledglings, bluish-white eggs of the California condor, yellow-faced, then red, extant and permeable, a member of the cloud and cliff, the boundary between this world and that thought to be impermanent at times. Grasses grow in the rain shadow of the Rockies, islands in a sea of steppe, a tract for dying a good death or dying well, anoint with the right thumb, eyelids, earlobes, and lips, oven bird, cat bird, warbler, wren. What of the marker between the human and all else? Misplace a howling experience, skins drying over coals, smoke broken into silos and rings. Mountain as adaptation, quick clouds, rags of mist, wolf, elk, bison, bear, creatures of grass, plains, and burrow, contained a skull wrapped in woven cotton, ancestor figure fashioned of wood and mud, of one shepherd or another, principle of center of dislodging to introduce other order, old skin over this, truth as bald, as cold, as middle, no metal, Every settlement had a house set apart for the dead, new way of burial, as manipulation, as a tactic for conversion. Funeral as cover for war, a month's mind, untenable, the red deer, the cord grass. Summit or sun, living rock to which the heart is given by obsidian, skeletons disarticulated and tied into bundles before the ossuary, Furthest part of the world must be sunset and sea, moldering, the order upset, loggerhead shrike, peregrine falcon, black-footed ferret. The Missouri River hems the Bighorn Mountains, a hinge between one land and another, an effigy was made of wood and wax. For similitude will have to suffice, for aspen, for sage thrasher, for pipit, stalks burnt like feathers, convoy of corn and flesh, Hope to graft the present to the predicament, to all my tenderness. Canaries, corpse, cops of false Solomon seal, rivets of stars and sharp notes. The men were found slain with their mouths stopped full of bread, beneath the blue lupin and wild strawberry. By springtime, only a hundred were left, having subsisted on dogs, cats, rats, and mice. Gust goes, obscured by the storm in trust, hope inherent and lashed, tincture of snow, some shrieking, oh, and you no longer named what you were, a handful of farm buildings behind the windbreak, wheat planted in alternating fallow strips, how the cinder draped the field then. Wasp's nest found inside a skull, the tiny clay pot of the mud dauber, dispossessed island of trees and people, wilderness makes it hard to be unregarded and unburied, bodies decaying in the hedgerows after surviving on oysters for only eight weeks. Ineffable slight, the land not an afterthought, ember or tinder, particular disaster, headed for half-lives, for we are tied to the place that made us, no ledger for that map, mouse nest, eggshell, slaughter, cellar, sequester, root out, what is remedy for this condition? Vanilla grass and sagebrush flank the hills, a gleaner, an axe, an owl, a honeycomb, knee-deep leaf rot, a certain joylessness, a cage of ribs, 
apple trees leafing on a slope, a chance to still the worst of it, wreck of thaw, encampment of charred wood, pheasant, quail, hare, what of plenty of mending or maelstrom, private burials disallowed for fear of covering up, the violent context of life, flocks of cranes landing on a bank, filament, fissure, sawgrass, surely will survive if apprehensive, if fixing the outside within the frame. Um, so the, I actually wrote this book quite a long time ago, and it just took me a really long time to find a publisher. Um, but I wrote it shortly after my father had died in a motorcycle accident, and I got one of the ways that I dealt with that was to just read a lot about death rituals across cultures. Um, <laughs> and I also moved to Springfield at the same, during that same time. And, and I had never seen the tall grass prairie and I'd lived in Illinois my entire life. And I was teaching at University of Illinois at Springfield and we had to take a field trip out to the prairie. And I was like, well, that's what it looks like. And I also got very interested in that. And so those two subjects kind of got all woven together in this book. And so it has a lot to do with um, sort of the, the prairie is one of the most endangered ecosystems in, in the world. There's like less than 1% of it left um, of original prairie. And so this book has a lot to do with sort of that devastation. Okay. Um, so this poem's called Taxonomic. and has a lot of those stories about some of the species um, that have been destroyed in that process of destroying the prairie. Taxonomic. <clears throat> Mountains purpling, lichens weathering rock, trenches filled with tree limbs, cabins perched like birds among hill clefts, dispossessed by which nothing means something, she said, a living fossil, horse tails and goat's beard rooting among spruce, a flock of buzzards preening on sand, a point where surplus meets absence, or rain means branch against window at night, coyote, fox, long-eared owl. Name given is no name at all, red-spotted garter snake, dusky salamander, orphaned brigade, virgin or bereft, icon as artifact. Under cover of daylight, the heath hen disappears, expatriated to a single island, had been peasant food, or first Thanksgiving, 1932, no wild ones left. Daylight in the trees, a lifeboat, a failure of geographic imagination, a Stellar's jay nesting outside the door. Buick's wren tree climbing after rain, to make nothing come before or after, a delicate combination of dominance and necessity, stark lineaments, such comfort to live in such dissolution, spiny sun star undulating in the shallow water, bull kelp, beech strawberry, and crab shell, low tide again, Revolve, evolve, plum, myriad, note, date, site of capture, range, and nomenclature, if briar, if barren. A shell buried in an alpine meadow, a dozen seals beached on west wind spit, in the bluffs, brush, golden-crowned sparrows flit and whip, ordered and static, before we knew little links in her great chain could be broken, bent, rusted, weather-worn, eastern cougar, Miriam's elk, spectacled cormorant, a collective destination, a cloud forest, two worlds inhabiting one mountainside. Hermit thrush rustles the ferns, the deep cooing of a band-tailed pigeon high in the firs, cabinets of wonder dark infested, 
The black and white of the great auk, commodified in life and in death, ecologically naive, old bones buried in saltpeter, sea urchin skeleton in the beach rack, systems produce their own contradictions, she said, this view of self to fuse that which was never apart, sure as circumspective as thinly worn. A tea house on a fault line, a series of new sea coasts of our own making, red with impasse or is it white with resentment, black with expiration, a mastodon's eye tooth unburied on the Hudson River bank, farmer traded for a half pint of rum, embodiment of link and rupture. Humanity is engaged on equal burial, plentitude and balance only notions of. Our signature in everything, believed massive bones belong to ancestors antediluvian, men, lions, hunters, soldiers, constantly unfolding geologic, geological strata in the struggle for existence. Barn swallows glide near the water's surface, rust-bellied. In 50 years, world went from orderly and new to incomprehensibly old and in endless flux. Muted, wildness, caretaker, cultivator, curlew. Tree frog chorus on both sides of the pond, in darkness, bone encrusted, marl pit, fence crosser, disaggregator, he said, hard to live overlaid with wounds, a deer trail after snowfall, to change and glow and darken under it, eastern meadowlark on a rail, branches splintering as this ghost world slips into quarry and utter in midnight, a hard clear image, a burned out stable. As if no hand behind the stilled world, only vanishing, veiled rancor, the guar, the wild yak, the whooping crane whose colonies learn migration routes from machines that they might winter and survive, seasons as modern as nightfall studded with waking, with mudstone and gleaming, post-glacial lake hidden in woods, pygmy owl's short whistle fills the canopy with chalk and clay, tree fall and contour. A wind-leaned chicken coop in a dusty yard, a form of humanity grounded in, unhindered and unfathomable, a skinned colt dismembered and scattered in trees, streams, gullies, vulture, wolf, possum, recasting soft boundaries, garner ambiguity, unwaywardly, violence as derivative of civilization, as ecological imperialism, as last wild quaha shot in 1870, to be cut off from narrative of place and of other. Purple finch near land's edge, song sparrow streaked russet and white, contentious among leaves and skies, replete with lost monikers, trees black against starred brink, real and false both erased, bearded vulture, red feathered and black masked, mud drenched, bone breaker, redreamed and then dreamed again, a minor surplus, an offering at the house's four corners, an omen bird, a beginning and ending. Convocation of moths on window, white-winged and transparent, a bullseye painted on a bison, wide firmament blackened with birds, itinerant clouds, flattened planes. We move and move to undo some mistake. I dreamed that you were dead, only you didn't know and I couldn't. Velvet leaf, lamb's quarter, structure of resistance, cockroach, shark, colacanth, colacanth, ginkgo, horseshoe crab, ancient and extant. Grassland dunes spotted with pitcher's thistle. Spotted sandpiper bobs in the reeds as we walk the rocky beach. A raccoon digs crayfish, crayfish from shore mud. 
to cover one's feet with wet sand and pine needles, surrounded by frog chatter, remoteless, terminal, deculturated, leased bitterns nesting among tool rushes, engrossed to absolute with shining and the sky. Inexhaustibility, prairie sea, a type of chaos. Tree stump as symbol for progress, for predestination, a myth perpetuator, a redactor, key, anchor, snake, bird, blind-eyed, urgency, a brook trout in a cold creek twisting downhill, water over rock, marsh ferns over bank, vast flocks of pigeons foraging beech nuts, acorns, and june berries, wandering wanderer, pots of burning sulfur, pine knot torches, long poles, hogs devoured what remained. A little blank in the certainties of sun, in darkness the ocean a sound like a faraway storm, on my back the stars, the law, an echo landscape, a rough-skinned newt eating the eggs of the Pacific tree frog. Expulsion as costume, custom as competition, human as less than human, a double bind, a gouged gorge, a vacant paddock in summer, an unthinking cacophony, a pact. Green etched sharp into the space of things, agency or bliss or field mouse, three blackbirds cackling in a forked tree. A carved figure leans against the crook, wet and dark from near constant rain. The last of something named Martha dies September 1st, 1914. Rock slumber, a trophy, a beached skeleton, a teeming mass, a cloud gap, conflicting desires of collect and conserve. A clay heart, a low dome of hills as unknown as the river, we traveled through the back country, fish, gun, emptiness, the sound of not wood, day deadened, an afternoon moon overhead. We kill one so that another may be controlled, this daring and not daring, this plain heart, railroad, salt, blinded stool pigeons dropped from platforms to lure, trap or shoot, unparalleled satiation, premise and practice, to become the sole survivor, quiet morning, a banana slug on my trail, biotic baseline, kingfisher hovering above the salmon river, tea left over from last night, a corrected story, some rhetorical slippage driven to the sea, row upon row of coyote skins hung on a rack, master of this, co-laborer of a kind of cultural harvest, an osprey floating over cascade heads three rocks. Horse and rifle and glut, two ring-necked ducks drifting near the bridge, pale-cheeked and dark-trimmed, along the rocky outcrops as many, four, as many as 400 shooters vying at once, parcels of animals left to rot where they fell, leaving a foul odor hanging in the air, refugees and vagrants, of being as a bird, she said, or a butterfly, the silver spot and its coastal grasslands, its early blue-violet and forest fringe. Olive-sided flycatcher stock still atop a dead silver fir in the sedge dunes, a juggernaut, a stronghold, a crescent in the ridge, stake-out hawk and owl flyaways, see faint stars through cloud cover, offer bounty for vermin and ravenous, for nearness, akin to memory and to loss, to transgressing, transgressing and wishbone, no place to return to, only some composite present, and I know it well, and the clover, and you.
Tracy Zeman. Empire is published by Parlor Press. Build as a poetry memoir. Ellen Stone's What is in the Blood contemplates many themes. Gender, caregiving, the natural world. Yet at its center, as Stone explained during her visit to Literati in March, is one incredibly moving relationship. What is in the Blood is the story of my life growing up with my mother, who was diagnosed with bipolar disorder when I was 10. I did not talk about what our family went through then, and I did not write about it until I had my own children. I dedicate this reading to my mother, who is one of the strongest, most flexible, and resilient people I know. I also dedicate it to my father and my siblings. I could not have grown up, flourished, and left home without them. By the way, I love my parents, but I was really worried about their reaction to poems that told about our family's survival and what happened to us. My father called me this morning and to tell me he was reading the book, and he was very proud of me. I asked my mother what she thought, and I said, Mom, these poems are going to be really, really hard. And she said, things could have been so much worse. She believes she was lucky, and she is. My mother is 88. She lives in Ann Arbor with excellent medical care from the University of Michigan. It is past time for everyone to understand the toll that mental health takes on families, but also that there is hope. In that spirit, here is my book. This is called My Mother's Mind. She doesn't remember how she lost it. We were young and needed her, remembering the regular things, plates coming on and off the table, venison in the frying pan, glasses of milk poured from the dented pail, greasy stove, cluttered counter, whole days, weeks dissolved, her mind a dark cave plummeted below the tufted quilt, dusty gray floorboards, deep into dirt cellar, the coal bin, glossy lumps chinking and clanking, old red furnace singing a burning song. Sometimes we wandered there, lit shards of kindling like small torches, held them, watching wood turn into space, tiny flickered chambers opening small rooms in the dark. The psychiatrist talks to the family 1968. He handed us a tin of cherry candies, all dusted white and sour as the spring. We sat like little starlings on a fence rail and popped them in our mouths while gathering the words he floated through the dust motes that disappeared like small balloons into the air. We squirmed and yawned like drowsy barn cats while the doctor murmured, smoothed his hair. Though we were silent, shut, our small bodies sprang jagged cracks where all the sweet leaked out. Our mom would not be coming home with us. 
We were young in a world of holes and doubt. Whatever else occurred, I don't remember. Just the tin of cherry sweets he offered us. Unlike the cherry tree we'd all returned to, eaten by the birds and smattered with rust. Easter Sunday dresses. Hemmed on the couch before church, ragged seams, bodice spread tightly into curve, calico blooming on the ironing board. Manure spread over muddy cornfields, hyacinths jutting from near the woodshed garden. When we were young, Dad said the rabbit lived there. Red-winged blackbirds call from the back ravine. The bell will ring soon, pealing over the hill. All those people who say they are Christians watch us walk in. Will they wonder where she is? Our mother, home in bed, still wintering. We sit in Granny's pew, flowers spread over our laps. What mysteries you show us, Jesus. Disappearing acts, such odd forgiveness. While here, we are tucked in a quiet cloth bouquet, no miracles in sight. Family matter. One, the blizzard comes, silent, crowded, like church when everyone stands up, or the graveyard if I imagine all the bones under the ground. It sweeps over the hill when the wind stirs, a solemn march blocking out the sky. Those words, persistent, relentless, undaunted, hang in the air while it covers, fills in all the edges, the gap from gully to field edge. My father loves snow, but he doesn't believe in transformation. When it is over, we build houses in the ditches on the side of the road, snow crests as deep as tall peaks of waves off the deep Atlantic. Dad keeps quiet. You can tell it matters to him, though, us inviting him to these nests we've created out of nothing but accumulated crystals, bits of air and water, really. Two, my mother believes her lies. They sink into me like a flat stone, something I cannot swallow. Truth is fear landing where it can, deep inside. I know the consequences, can see the outcome. One summer, she told me she was pregnant. Mom was in her late 50s, living in East Boston, not that far from Santarpio's Pizza and Logan Airport. Streets of triple-deckers crowded together, squeezing out trees, nothing growing. Mom said the father was a Boston Red Sox player. The funny thing is, in all those years of visiting her in Winthrop, then in East Boston, we'd never gone to Fenway. First, I know she's going crazy again. But second, 
I wonder if she just wants to go to a ball game. <laughs> the second part of my book is about really taking care of my mother, and I leave out raising three amazing daughters because it would have been a very long book. <laughs> so that's the next book. But there are some hints of those times. This is called My Life as a Lawn Sprinkler. I believe in haircuts, the do-over, transformation of surfaces, receptacle of arms, circulating whirligigs, spreading over vacant thoughts, quack grass, wilted clumps of sweet clover, all this pressure, squeak of the on-off, tilt, adjust, the whole mechanism hums again, Continual spit, glug, and chur, chur, your own personal cicada. Sequestered until twilight dips, fireflies backlit, steady as nightfall, filling the well, distributing it. I was using a little lawn sprinkler and realized, this is my life. Um, this poem is dedicated to the University of Michigan Hospital. Container of Souls. Hospital, said slowly, is a soft hiss, spitting. Air whispered, thin and forced from a filled container. We are falling into the darkened parking lot waiting room from a long distance, it seems, although it is just across town over the empty train tracks and quiet river bridge. Time drips differently here, thick and solitary. We all need somewhere to go, and some of us come here. Teenage girl with deep scratches on her neck who reminds me of someone. Slight man with braids draped in white cotton, leg tapping, a metronome. He could be the boy I taught in kindergarten who did not want to grow up. My mother scrunches her face up sour as June apples, saying something is not right, a blue cloud seeping into her brain, bows her head as in prayer, lacing her veiny hands. The river of my mother's life flows past us, slumped in these waiting room chairs. An east wind is coming up, she says. Cold, it will be cold when we get back outside. How fluorescent our faces, unreal in this vinyl ether world. Here we say, we have come here looking for a path. Give us back what we have lost in the sanitary chapel of the emergency room. Frost settles over the soccer field across the highway. I am aware that all the young leave, but then they must find their way. Here, my mother tells her story, and when I repeat it, she says she does not know if what I say comes from the heart. She needs the doctor from the ninth floor to sit with her, confirm her sadness like a priest confirms sin, stillness settling over the white building as the patients move toward cars or beds, river calling across the night asphalt, rooks and owls, 
folding into trees. Thank you. Ellen Stone. What is in the Blood is published by May Apple Press. Shelf Talking is produced by Hillary and Mike Gustafson with help from John Ganyard and Bennett Johnson. Special thanks to the band Pity Sex, which provided our intro and outro music. You can find those tracks on their album, White Hot Moon. Although Literati is still closed to the public, we are open online for all your book buying needs. Just visit us at literatibookstore.com. Our events team, meanwhile, recently launched At Home with Literati a series of online author events, book clubs, and bookseller brunches. You can find more information and a full calendar at literatibookstore.com slash event. Until next time, I'm Sam Krachenko. Thanks for listening, and stay safe. <laughs>